Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on the rundown. Welcome, everyone, to episode 45 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a production by Workforce LLC. I'm your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Nick Kasich, Director of Operations at the Hermanson Company. Nick, welcome to the podcast, man. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks, man. I appreciate being here. Uh, it's uh, it was it's good good of you to have me. Um, well, this is our first, uh, we're in the Eastern time zone. This is our first West Coast guest. So we're excited. Uh, Nick is joining us from the Pacific Northwest. Um, and we're going to jump in, man. We got we got some cool stuff to talk about uh, on this episode. We're going to start with a quote uh, from your book. Uh, the book's titled Working Class, Making the Trades Cool Again. And um, this is something we talk about a lot on this podcast. But um, the quote spoke to me in a lot of ways because of the topics we talk about. But I really do think we're we're at the beginning of a new era with higher education. Um, but the quote is this, we need to be exposing the damage society has brought to an entire generation of retail workers, baristas, fast food employees, unemployed and underemployed college graduates with a lifelong debt and no jobs. We must stop churning out college graduates in fields that have no jobs, low pay and crushing debt all to enrich the educational institutions. So let's start with how have you been able to promote the trades with your show, different roles you've had, and, and different places you've been throughout your career? Well, the biggest thing, I mean, I'll back up a little bit. And the, the thing is, I've been in construction 30 plus years, uh, a good solid 30 plus years. And we all go, we all stand around and we complain and, and, and bitch and moan that there's nobody in the trades that what are we going to do? And, and every year goes by and there's less people and less people. And, and we complain more and we complain more and nobody does anything. I think it's primarily because nobody knows what to do. So one day I just, I had basically the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to try to do something different. I'm going to try to actually do something about it. And if I can get one kid, just one person, well, then it was worthwhile. So we started out with, um, long story short, we started out with doing doing this television show and, and some other things. And it all kind of snowballed rather quickly into working class, which has been set up as a nonprofit. And we have three goals. But basically, there's three goals that govern us. One is... We have a goal to speak to a thousand high school kids a year, half of which being minority or women, because we're vastly underserved there. Yep. The second goal is to create um, these videos, these episodes of uh, people in the trades, of, of just different trades and how the people got there. Um, you know, you look, you, you watch some of these shows that, and there's other ones out there, obviously micro has been doing it forever on a much higher level, but he goes in kind of the, the, uh, almost an entertainment way of doing it, but he still gets the message across. We try to go into it and do a day in a life in a trade and then talk to that person about how they got there. 
And then the third thing is we want to give 10,000 working class books away to high school kids. We know they're not going to go buy them. They're high school kids. So if we can get them in their hands for free, maybe they'll read them. Maybe they won't, but maybe some will. And maybe they'll a light will come on and they'll say, hey, you know what? I've been drinking the Kool-Aid of college, 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 and maybe there's another option. Because the truth is, college isn't for everybody. Nope. It's just, it's, it's just not. Yep. So, so that's, that's where we're headed with it. I mean, there's clearly a branding issue, though, right? Like, I've, you know, our, uh, our, our most loyal listeners are probably getting tired of me saying this, but, you know, I graduated high school in 2007. So it was not all that long ago. And... You know, when you talk to guidance counselors, parents, advisors, you know, whoever, you you know, high school basketball coaches, whoever was helping you um, make a decision about what you were going to do after high school. The it was only where you, the question was, where are you going to college? The question wasn't what would you like to do? The question wasn't, hey, you know, what are you thinking about? The question was, where are you going? Which we've gotten to a point now where the, it, it was just commonplace right like there was no alternative path and i think i've said this on i think last uh podcast episode was if one of our friends decided i'm going to be an electrician we would have looked at him like they were nuts or her we'd have been what what are you talking about why the hell would you be an electrician right so my i guess my question to you is like the ROI has flipped, right? You know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, early 90s, the, the ROI of college was there and it made all the sense in the world, almost regardless of what you wanted to do, almost, right? Like you wanted to be a liberal arts major, sports management, business economics, it, almost regardless, you would get your return. That has completely flipped, right? Where, you know, $120,000 for a piece of paper is insane. And to your point, the jobs aren't there the growth isn't there. The salaries aren't there. So how does, besides everything you just mentioned, right? Like how does an individual company or the trades association as a whole flip the image? Because I do still think the image is an electrician or a plumber or whatever. I mean, but it's not true. You can make a ton of money and have, and be really happy in those roles. Right. I mean, what, what, if somebody says to plumber, What's the first image that comes to your mind? A guy coming to my house to fix something I don't know how to fix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he bends over and his ass crack came yeah. out. And, you know, it's it's that is the that is the plumber. This image, the stigma. Yeah. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, what people don't realize is the level of technology and the level of expertise required to do these jobs is gotten to the point where, I mean, you, you almost got to be a programmer in some cases to run some of the equipment, the tools and the, and the, I mean, you name it across the board, we go out on jobs, you know, we're going to go hang pipe on a, on a big commercial job. We go out there before they're pouring concrete and we have a GPS system set out all of the hanger locations where we're going to insert for hangers before the pipe is even designed or built or the or the building is in place, we have a GPS that tells us exactly where to insert for every one of those hangers so that when we come back later when there's a building, we just put the hangers in, slide the pipe in and move forward. I, I mean, mean that's, yeah. that's a plumber today. 
Yep. That's vastly different than it was in 1975, you know, or or back in the day. And and I think that ROI, that 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 difference, 1990 was about the change. Okay. Before that, um, you could go get a job and you could learn a trade and you could be fine. But in the 80s, and then it really kind of said, okay, after the after 1990, everybody just goes to college. It's just what you do. Yeah. Because I was a product of the high school in the 80s. And if you, I was going to say if you think back, but you'd have to do the research. <laughs> <laughs> but even in the movies, everything, that was the time where Miami Vice, um, you know, all of the 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 stock market shows movies and all that stuff was greed is good gordon gecko you know all that kind of stuff it all was surrounded around get rich get a big house have a big a nice fancy car you know it was all about money 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 that's when that's when the world flipped from single income to dual income because hey you know we could make we could live in twice the house if we both work yep and so we were brainwashed as as products of that that time frame yep it's all about money and our kids and it's it's funny the millennials take took a beating from us because we called them lazy they're not lazy they're smarter than us is what they are we work ourselves into an early grave to have a bigger house and to have a better car and and all this stuff and to put pass it on to our kids and our kids are looking at us going i couldn't care less yeah, we just, yeah, I don't want it. I just I just want to go travel or yeah. I, I want to go camping or I want to do do things that, you know. So when I say they're smarter than us, th- their values are better than ours. Their values aren't in money. Their values are in experiences and things like that and yep. pride and things, which is turning the table into not being this office drone pushing paper back and forth on his desk, but actually becoming craftsmen. Yep. And becoming tradespeople and going into and getting skills rather than educations. Yep. Huge difference there. Huge difference. Yep. Um, all right. We're going to come back to that in a little bit, but I want to talk to you. I want to learn about uh, Hermanson, your role there, uh, the services you guys provide, all that stuff. We're a full service uh, mechanical, plumbing and mechanical company on large commercial projects in the Northwest primarily. I'm director of operations primarily for what we're doing in Portland or not Portland, but all of Oregon. Um, we are doing work on healthcare, um, higher education, colleges, universities. We do a lot of high tech companies, things like that. Um, and we do all of the pipe. We, you know, we, we basically do the stuff you don't see. Do the heating and air conditioning, piping and plumbing is, is primarily where we hang our at. Got it. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about the show you host uh, called Working Class. I know you mentioned it briefly, but how did this come about? You know, I mean, it's not um, it's not every day you just kind of start a show, you know, <laughs> how did this all happen? Right. Um, so there was, uh, and, and I can't even anymore tell you exactly how we got cross paths, but I crossed paths with a gentleman in LA who is president of Jewel TV Network. Okay. And he said he was, he was wanting to start a, uh, a series on the trades and he needed me just kind of help consult and help understand it. And uh, so I got involved that way. Um, we started a show called The Money Machine 
Um, it went through one season. It was a, a young lady, a welder out of Yuma, Arizona, was the, the host. She did a phenomenal job on it. And uh, somehow it morphed into um, they wanted me to do a show. So um, her, 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 um, her position on it was kind of coming from the field as a woman in the trades but they really wanted a little bit more of the technology and the day in the life and that kind of stuff. Her, you know, she did a great job, but it was, it was narrow to what she knew primarily. Whereas I could bring a little different aspect to it. So we started a show called working class. And what we do on that show is we'll come into a company. We'll basically say, okay, it's, it's kind of broken into three sections. What is it that they do here? What is it that the trades do here and kind of spend a little time day in the life. And then we, we end the show with, okay, now you tradesperson, how did you get here? Like, for example, we did, uh, we did one on a whiskey distiller. Well, you're not five years old and you say, I want to grow up and be a whiskey distiller. There's a very interesting path taken to get to that, to that area. So, um, that's kind of how we structured the show. And we try to do, you know, everybody knows about the traditional electricians, plumbers, carpenters, and all of that. So while we do highlight those, we also try to get outside the box. We do street rod builders, we do whiskey distillers, and did glass blower, um, you know, just different things that are trades, tattoo artists. That's a trade. Yeah. You apprentice yep. and you come through the trade just like anything else. But people don't think of that because not everybody wants to be a, a, a carpenter or an electrician, right? Yeah. So there are trades for vastly different things. So we're trying to highlight, kind of trying to broaden that and make it look a little bit bigger. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said too for to your point. Like everyone always uses the example of electrician or plumber, but you know, for big companies, I mean, there are engineering jobs. There, like, can you tell us about some of the jobs, maybe even just in recent years, that like no one really is thinking about because we're always kind of focusing on. Okay, you think trades? You think everyone has like right away what you're thinking of, right? Could be some of the stereotypical ones, but what are some of the jobs that you know may convince? Instead of someone going to work for Google, right, they go to work for a manufacturing plant. You know, like what are some of those roles that high school kids don't even know about yet? Oh, I mean, it's 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 endless if you think about it. I mean, they could be they could be a role in tools. You're in a manufacturing company. Think about how many tools and how much equipment is in there. You could you can simply there are there are positions in a manufacturing facility that do nothing but handle the tools and, and inventory and repair and and do the logistics to tools, large equipment, you know, the repair and maintenance on large equipment. This is this is all just the equipment for the manufacturing. You know, um, worked in I've worked in car plants and there are as many like um, little buggies, you know, like golf cart things to get around that plant than there are cars being manufactured. Somebody's got to maintain those. Somebody's got to count them and inventory them and make sure they're not going home or driving down to 7-Eleven every day. You know, <laughs> there's there's tons of things that nobody even thinks of. And I tend to tell kids, I say, okay, find something, you know, you always hear that. Well, find something you love and the money will come. Well, that, truth be told, that's kind of BS. Yeah. It's, it's not true. But what you can do is find something you love 
and then figure out something that is close to it or or related to it where the money can come. Yep. And that's really the answer. And those are out there because, you know, if you like motorcycles, well, you know, truth be told, I I like motorcycles. I don't make much money by buying motorcycles. Yeah. But there are jobs in the motorcycle industry that do pay well. So you just have to be a little bit creative and not so literal with that. Yeah, there's a there's a really good exercise people should look up. There's there's this um uh, it's called Ikigai. It's like this old Japanese uh, exercise where essentially you go through and it's to your point, you know, follow your passion. Yeah, that it, there is a little bit of bullshit in that, right? Because um, honestly, I think a lot of our passions are relaxing, right? Watching Netflix, chill, you know, right? Like, so right. The, this Ikigai, um, it's find what you're good at, find what the world needs and find what you can get paid for and what you're passionate about. What you're good at, what you're passionate about, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for, those four things will come together for your actual purpose on this on this earth. Not just, well, you know, I'm I'm passionate about basketball. You know, like Gary V has said this a million times. Um, you know, the ROI of a basketball for LeBron James is billions of dollars. The ROI for me was zero dollars, but I still love basketball, right? So it's like, you know, yes, I'm very passionate about basketball. I'm not making any money in it. Right. So you got to, you got to put those together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So you're also the chairman of the board for the NACP. Talk to us about that. What type of advocacy work have you been able to do during your time there? It's been 15, 13 years, 15 years. Yeah. I was one of the founders of it. Um, The NACP is the national association of construction professionals. And what the organization does, if you're in, if, if you're familiar with organizations, they tend to be very, um, very closed, it, 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 very specific, maybe is the word. Like if you're a part of an engineering, it's all engineers. In construction, yeah. you'll have, uh, you know, subcontractors, general contractors. What this group does, is it brings everybody. You could be a laborer on a job site. You could be a CEO. You could all be a member of this group. And the, and the intent is to bring everybody together and talk about the problems that affect everybody, not just individual factions of, of the organizations and, and the industry. So two things that we're very proud of that we were able to do where we saw a, um, a hole in the market. We've created a, uh, we call it the ACMP and the BCMP. The BCMP is basically the basic construction management professional and then the ACMP is the Advanced Construction Management Professional Certification. And you go through a program and then you take a test at the end and you get certified that you actually understand construction management as a whole. And it was designed for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, there's other credentials that are similar out there, but like a PMP you may have heard of, Project Management Professional, it's wider than just construction. It's any kind of project management. This is down and dirty construction. And a couple of the reasons we did it, one is for transitioning veterans. They may have a ton of experience in the, in, in the military, but those credentials don't really transfer into the real world very well. So this is a tr- credential that they can get that's a real world c- credential that, that will work. The other is you have these tradesmen that have been in the business, you know, and, and they're 55 years old and say they're, you know, their body's given out or they just don't want to swing the tools anymore. 
they can they they have all the knowledge to move into project management. They just have no credential. Got this it. helps give them a credential. A, 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 a yeah, I can do that. I you know it sets a baseline for people. Got and it. And then of course, if you went through college, then you know obviously you can get it as well. But, but so yeah. okay, this this I'm going to try to throw you for a loop here. Or at least it, it may just because it wasn't on the questions before I sent it to you. But and again, this is I have fully understand there are a million reasons. So I'm going to attempt to ask you to, to generalize here. But why does it feel and this is a construction related question. Why does it feel that in the States construction projects take forever? Like. This could be, and again, I understand it's a generalized question. Some projects go up very quickly. Other projects take, you know, 30 years when they should take 10, right? Like, even if it's just paving roads or it just feels as if it takes longer here than it does, you know, in Europe or Asia or wherever. There's like stories that like, you know, like China will put together a, a, a massive project and it, it's done in a year. And meanwhile, like, here in Columbus, Ohio, they're still working on I-70 and it started literally like 27 years ago, right? Like, right. like, and again, there's probably a million reasons why that happens, but could you boil it down to one or two? Yeah, yeah. Primarily it's bureaucracy. Yeah. The, the projects that you're seeing, schools, roads, you know, all those kinds of projects that seem like they take forever. They're very high profile projects that take forever. Those are all government funded projects. There is a government entity funding those projects. Yep. When you start getting into the intels and the Facebooks and the, and the private where people are paying for money while that, you know, a construction project, somebody's got to get a loan for that project. And it's not generating income until that thing is done. Done, yeah. Those projects move very quickly, comparatively, yeah. very yeah. quickly. But they're not always as high-profile type projects as well. Yeah. You know, you just you, you don't see them in the news. You don't you don't have to drive around them every day because it's not road work. Is there is there? <laughs> I know the answer is no. Is there a solve to the bureaucracy? Like is like what is the solve? Actually, there is a solve. Um, I have I have an enormous amount of government contracting work with the Department of Defense, and um, the Air Force was really good at. So one of the things we did a lot of is is operating hospital renovations. So we would renovate an entire hospital that was in operation, mm. which is and That's these hard. were on active duty military bases. And they would actually, they, they were design build. That takes a lot of it out because you're designing as you construct. You're not having two separate entities design and construct. So it's design build. You speed up the process there. And then they would actually allow um, the project to start prior to final drawings. In other words, there's just because you don't have the final review on the final drawings done doesn't mean you can't start putting footings in and doing demolition and doing things like that. So, you, you know, you, you take if you take and you squeeze down and overlap 15 different processes, all of a sudden you've gained quite a bit of time. Hmm. OK, well, that's helpful. Um, all right, Nick, we're going to get you out of here on this one and uh, you'll be the. <laughs> 
you'll be the first person, obviously, in the Pacific Northwest to give us a, a restaurant recommendation. Mo- most of the guests we have have been in Ohio or in the Midwest. So uh, the next time we are in Portland, or I guess anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, where should we be eating? What's your go-to restaurant? Uh, it's got to be Buster's Barbecue. Wow. There's bar- there's good barbecue in the Pacific Northwest? Who it's knew that? Te- it is Texas-style barbecue. There's I think they have two or three locations, and it is old-school barbecue. You walk in, and you swear to God you walked into 1975. Wow. It is, it is good barbecue, and I know that's not what you expected with that's- Portland. That is not what I expected. I thought no. seafood or, you know, something. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's I'm a meat and potatoes guy, but I mean, that's 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 where that's my go to. Awesome. Um, OK, where can everybody find you? Twitter or LinkedIn or website or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn, but my website is uh, it's working dash dash class dot org. And that'll get you to the shows, to our YouTube channel. That'll get you to the book. That'll get you to all of our working class information. Awesome. Well, this was great, Nick. We appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you again. And uh, good luck with everything this year. And we'll talk with you soon. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.